Welcome to the Dread Machine Podcast. I'm Alan, executive editor of thedreadmachine.com, where nightmares are manufactured. Today's story is Sweet Tooth by Nicole Gibbons-Kurtz, narrated by Lee Peterson and edited by Joel at East Coast Studio. Nicole Gibbons-Kurtz is an author, editor, and educator. Her novels have been a finalist in the Dream Realm Awards, Fresh Voices, and Epi Awards for Science Fiction. Nicole has over 40 short stories published, as well as 11 novels and three active speculative mystery series. You can support her work via Patreon and find out more about her at NicoleGibbonsKurtz.net. If you listen to Take Me, our premiere episode, Lee Peterson's voice will sound familiar to you. He grew up traveling the world with his father, who was in the military. He studied vocal performance at the University of Texas at El Paso and now lives with his wife in Texas. Here's Sweet Tooth, authored by Nicole Givens-Kurtz and narrated by Lee Peterson. But first, a message from one of the sponsors who makes this show happen. Psych, we don't have any sponsors yet, but you can change that. As a small company, we prefer to prioritize indie publishers, authors, and artists by offering affordable ad space. If you'd like to have your creative works featured on this podcast or on our website, you can learn more at thedreadmachine.com slash advertise. And now back to our thing. Bryce Howerton disliked black licorice. It tasted like leftover ash mixed with high fructose corn syrup. Something burnt and overly sweetened. After spitting it out, he couldn't get the aftertaste to fade. There just wasn't enough bubblegum to mask the lingering coat on his tongue. He scratched his itchy cornrow braids and spat again. It seemed to be glazed all over his mouth, and he continued to rake his tongue over his teeth in an attempt to clear it. Walking along the cracked and broken sidewalk that threaded through weathered brick apartments, Bryce and Marquise liked killing time on a lazy fall afternoon. I just bought that, complained Marquise between wet, loud licks of his cherry lollipop. His eyes followed the hunk of black licorice-colored spittle. I could've used that dollar for a pop. Bryce shrugged. He dug around his threadbare jean pockets, and his heart brightened when his fingers brushed another crinkled dollar. Hmm. That was for his pop. With his other hand, he held up the remaining offensive licorice. Nasty. But nasty didn't cover it. Bryce frowned at the twisted, waxy piece of candy in his fist. Marquise didn't get it. Anything coming out of Mama Shug's place couldn't be trusted. Why he hadn't told Bryce where he'd got it until after he'd put it in his mouth bothered him. A brother deserved fair warning. You should have told me where you got it. Why that matter? Marquise asked idly. Most of his concentration centered on the collection of change in his open palm. His lips moved as he counted how much money he had left. Bryce opened his mouth to answer, but shut it firmly. Waste of time explaining to Marquise, or damn near anyone. Most people didn't notice the strangeness around Mama Shug's place. Bryce had been watching her since he could remember. At 13, he couldn't think of a time when neighborhood peeps didn't buy sugar delights from her, or a time when the police didn't find random bodies all around the projects, scattered and hidden in the brush and garbage piles, like morbid Easter eggs. Hood life was so sour, so full of lemons, your lips, heck, your soul puckered. 
anything sweet would do to give some pleasure. Hell, babies came out, full dark lips and a round O, seeking refuge from the bitter taste of hopelessness solidified in 39 weeks of stress in an angst-filled womb. Was it any wonder kids flocked to Mama Shug's? Bryce glanced at Marquise. Still, a brother needed to be warned, because of the bodies. These weren't like the kills of gangbangers, no, no. The corpses they found had wide, withered eyes, mouths frozen in terrified screams, and faces rigid with fear. All the bodies looked like they'd been sucked dry of all living goodness. They don't do nothing for the black and the missing, Bryce's neighbor always say. No one care about a bunch of poor black youngins gone missing. One time, she'd asked him, How come you always finding them bodies? Bryce looked her dead in the eyes. Because nobody cares about the black and the missing. She smiled then. A sad one. He couldn't tell her either about Mama Suge. Bryce adjusted his jeans and tried to spit far away from his Carolina hoodie. Nothing as freaking gross as this licorice could touch his Carolina blue. Marquise wore Carolina jersey too, but underneath he wore a white t-shirt. They'd both gotten their hair braided and new clothes in anticipation for a local block party. A cold breeze brushed by and moved Bryce's earring, a tiny gold hoop. Most boys had what looked like diamond studs, but he hated the cubic zirconia. It didn't seem real. The last thing he wanted was an infected ear the size of a donut. Besides, he could think of other things to spend his money on. Marquis started busting rhymes to fill the awkward silence between them. Every once in a while, Bryce would toss in a yeah to keep the flow going, but his heart wasn't in it, nor his mind. They passed the rec center's playground, dirt-smeared yellow caution tape flapped in the wind. Last week, they'd found a body, another body. Bryce had seen it tossed along the cluster of rusty dumpsters, a discarded, lifeless human being wedged between the stained, filthy mattresses someone had thrown out. It reeked of rotting flesh and old garbage. Bryce knew it. Her. Cynthia. He'd seen her getting her goodies at Mama Shug's just a few hours before he went searching for her and found her body behind the dumpster. It had been him who called the anonymous tip, hanging up before the 911 lady could ask his name. Bryce didn't have a death wish. Snitches got stitches. But Cindy deserved to be found, and soon, before her baby cousin came down to play ball at the wreck. Cindy had been Bryce's friend throughout all of elementary. Not his good friend. The girl ate too many sweets and stole from his trick-or-treat bag. But she didn't deserve that kind of death. Someone scattered candy wrappers across her chest like she had been some sort of treat. Goosebumps spread over Bryce's arm at the memory. He hunched back into his hoodie, seeking warmth, and shot a glance at Marquise. He felt his warm blood trickle down his chin. Dang, bro, you bleeding, Marquise pointed out with his pinky, the fingernail long and yellowing. Using the back of his hand, Bryce wiped it away. It didn't matter how much he swiped, he couldn't get the taste out of his mouth. The candy's lingering noxious liquids dropped like a stone into a lake, falling deeper and deeper into his core. His stomach churned at the impact. The smell of burning something clung to his nose, pushed its odor into his brain, and with each intake of breath came the scent. He coughed hard to dislodge the odor from his lungs. Red brick dust crunched like grit in his mouth. You bit your tongue or something? Marquise pointed at him with the lollipop. No, I... 
I think that stupid licorice poked my cheek. Ain't no big deal. Bryce tried to sound brave, tried to make Marquise think he didn't care about the bleeding caused by the licorice. Now he had ash, sugar, and copper flavors in his mouth. Dang, tastes like crap. How come you know what crap tastes like? Marquise countered, smirking boldly. He licked his candy again, slurping the scarlet treat between his full lips. When he caught Bryce's frown, he laughed. Shut up, Bryce pretended to kick a rock. They walked up the hill from the rec center, having shot a few rounds of ball before deciding to eat their treats. Now with the wreck and the hill at their backs, they approached the government-produced apartments. Each one bled into its neighbors, becoming a smear of identical front doors and concrete porches. The housing projects didn't do much in the way of decor or distinction. Cheap housing for the poor didn't warrant any type of luxury. Bryce had been born and raised in Holmes housing projects, but he knew that off of Rose Street, the third apartment from the curb always looked dark. Bright, sunny summer days still found the porch somber and gloomy. Shadows huddled there en masse, defying the sun's bright cheeriness. It didn't matter how much light was out. Didn't matter about the streetlights, neither. The doorway of that apartment, Mama Shug's, held darkness. Like she collected it or something, all huddled up against the concrete porch and cheap siding. You want to go get my money back? Marquis said. She'll let you get something else. The hairs on the back of Bryce's neck stood up. Mama Shug's hollowed cheeks and wrinkled skin appeared in his mind like a specter. Her waxy skin shined like melted chocolate on the hot asphalt in the summer. Round, red-rimmed eyes peered out from beneath the fall of thick silver braids, matted with beads and ribbons and life. She smelled of death and sweetness. Not all that different from his licorice. Nah, I'm good. He wasn't, but wouldn't let Marquise know. A man had to keep his pride. No way would he let Marquise see how freaking scared he was of that woman. Bryce kept walking. When he realized Marquise wasn't in step with him, he turned back around with dread piling into his already uneasy belly. Marquise put the entire sucker in his mouth at once. Even from this distance, Bryce could see a single sliver of drool rolling down the corner of his mouth. Marquise didn't move, didn't blink, and didn't breathe. Come on, man, snap out of it. Bryce gently shook him. The cold wash of fear slipped across his shoulders. Wipe that off your chin. Huh? The rattling of metal set Bryce's teeth on edge. He glanced up just in time to see Mama Suge, hunched over and bent, pushing a stolen shopping cart, the right wheel wobbling over the cracked sidewalk. Cardboard boxes brimmed with colorfully wrapped candy sat in the spot where a child would go. Her candy cart sliced through the chilly afternoon. Each step she took carried the promise of her sugary treats. And death. Bryce swallowed the hard knot of acid mixed with fear and ash. What the hell did she put in that licorice? At the sound of her cart, Marquise came to life. There she is. You can swap it out now. Uh, nah, I'm good. Marquise gave him a hard look and then frowned. You ain't scared. No, Bryce said with more bravery than he felt. He didn't want to be on Mama Suge's radar. He couldn't prove it, but his instincts told him that she had something to do with Cindy's death. Like when he knew a drive-by was about to happen or when he knew to stay in his room when his mama's boyfriend came over to visit. No one told him. He just knew. Yeah, you are, Marquise laughed, but it sliced short. It melted into a gaggle, 
a choking cough. Man, what's your... Bryce dropped his candy to the ground and watched in horror as Marquise's face grayed. Choking, adrenaline burst through Bryce and he got behind Marquise. He couldn't remember exactly how to do the thing he was supposed to do, but he did know to take both hands, clasp them together, and put them under his ribs. He pumped. A wheezing rattle came from Marquise's mouth, but not the clunk of ruby candy lodged in his airway. Come on! Bryce used all of his strength, prayed, and cried as he tried to save his friend. Man, don't do this! Marquise's chest rattled when his mouth opened. The air whistled through the sphere in his throat. The sickening sound fueled Bryce's determination. He squinted over Marquise's shoulder to Mama Shug. An open-mouthed grin took up most of her face. Those coal black eyes seemed to gleam with joy. Bryce couldn't look away from those dark pits, glistening, tar, sticky thick, and inescapable. He heard nothing but the rasp of his friend's labored attempts to breathe. Marquise contorted and flailed, snapping Bryce out of his momentary trance and pulling him back to attention. He struggled to hold him still. Stop moving, dude! I'm trying to help! Marquise let out a primal, sorrowful gurgle. It was the most terrifying sound Bryce had ever heard. A tear raced down his cheek. Help! The suddenly vacant street struck Bryce as strange. On most days, the yards, street corners, and flat porches crawled with people hanging out, throwing dice, doing hair, or just shooting the breeze. He realized then the bustle of Project Life, the rise and fall of bass-booming music thumping from passing cars, the guffaws from foolishness and corner store beer, and the sharp shouting of disagreements. All there before, like a living, breathing chorus, was gone. He scanned the neighborhood. Nothing moved. No sound. It didn't feel right. For one, this was Saturday. Clear skies. First of the month. They'd all disappear the moment Mama Suge showed up. Stop doing it, he yelled across the still air. Stop what? She sounded like a thousand voices mashed and then flattened. He'd never get that voice out of his head. This! We need help! Tears huddled at the corner of his eyes. He gripped Marquise closer to him and heaved, his hands acting now on instinct. Would you like a sweet? You need a sweet. Mama Suge stretched out her withered hand towards him. Three eyeballs with the optic nerve still attached sat in the middle of her palm. Bryce scrambled backward, taking Marquise with him. Stop it! She merely smiled at him, her empty mouth like a cave. Not today. Nobody else gonna die. Bryce resumed the maneuver, shoving his panic deep while his anger rose. She wasn't taking any of his friends. Cindy would be the last. The day inched on, and Bryce lost track of time. Only two minutes went by, but it could have been two years. Mama Suge stepped closer, hovering over them. Instead of lending a hand, she rubbed hers together, like she was ready for a feast. Come on, dude, Bryce partially prayed and whispered aloud. He heaved again, putting all of his strength into it. A hacking splat hit the sidewalk. Bright scarlet and still whole, the saliva-drenched hunk of candy cracked on the pavement in a watery, pink pool. Marquis screamed tumbled out of Bryce's arms and collapsed in a heap on the ground. Rubbing his throat, he tried to stand. You all right? Bryce held his elbow as he stood up. Yeah, Marquise choked out, his face furrowed. 
he hunched over in pain. Mama! She, it, cackled. A sound from behind caught Bryce's attention. When he turned back to Mama Shug, she was gone. Only the shopping cart remained, its busted wheel creaking in the cold breeze. Marquise collapsed back into Bryce's arm. The rise and fall of his skinny chest heaved once more. Only once. This isn't your fault, baby. You did what you could. Marquise's mom hugged Bryce before releasing him. He shuffled through the procession of mourners outside the 4th Street Baptist Church. Words were said. Songs, somber and serious, were sung. Numbness hung over him, so none of it penetrated. Well, that wasn't true. The persistent, hot burn of fury kept Bryce up and refused to wink out. Two days ago, he realized that he couldn't cry. This level of pissed off torched all his grief. Only the heat of revenge remained. Bryce walked back home and found his old foster brother, Trey, sitting on the front porch they shared with the neighbors. Hey, you heard? Shit around here is cray-cray. Yeah. Bryce sat. Just after one on Sunday, peeps slept in because they just got in. Others were at church. So he and Trey held down the front yard. Rain poured into already flooded corners of the lawn and backed up sewers. Bryce touched his cheek and winced. The injury from the licorice still hurt. He spat pink spittle onto the sidewalk. Again. Trey smoked a black and mild cigarette. They ain't seen Tasha since yesterday. Damn. Yeah, mama called the cops. They said she a runaway. Bryce hunched back into his hoodie. Nowadays, he was cold. Always cold. That's what they always say about us, he muttered. True that. Trey blew a stream of sweet-smelling smoke. We run away or dealing. Our deaths don't matter. Except to us. Bryce shoved his fist into his hoodie pockets. Trey didn't have it wrong. Cops didn't give a shit about this neighborhood. Not that it mattered. They couldn't stop Mama Shook anyway. Yeah. Except to us, Bryce echoed, a grin inching across his face. We handle our own-ish. Bryce stood up. Yeah, we do. The 9mm gun felt strange in Bryce's hand. He climbed the concrete stairs to his room and shut the door. No curtains, so the day's full gloominess poured in. He found Trey on his bed watching the day travel on, a paper bag in his lap. Are you sure you know what you're doing? Trey now stood by Bryce's bedroom window. Thought you didn't want in the gang. I don't. Bryce shoved the gun into his backpack. Along the floor, his now-expelled textbook sat next to his sneakers. So what you need a piece for? Trey didn't turn to look at him. Cause the world is cray-cray. Bryce heard the harshness in his tone. Trey flinched, then smiled. (laughs) Well, damn. Sorry. Trey faced him. I know you got a lot going on since Keith died. I don't need to know what you're doing. You're one of the smartest peeps I know. So you probably know what you're doing. And that's good enough for me. With that, Trey left. Bryce took up the spot at his window and waited for nightfall. I hope so. A fat moon, full of light, 
rested on thick, dark clouds overhead. Bryce walked quickly through the shadowed streets to his destination. Porch lights acted as guides, illuminating his course. Sweaty palms, quivering stomach, and the cold handgun's metal biting into the small of his back made him uneasy. His hoodie concealed the piece from view, but he knew it was there. Each step served to remind him. Too soon he reached his destination and knocked on the door. The inside of his cheek burned and filled his mouth with the taste of ash and blood. Before he could spit, the door creaked open. Mama Shug grinned at him. I want to buy some candy, Bryce coughed over the lie. Mama Shug wore a threadbare sweater, broom skirt, and slippers. Her black hair wrap concealed her silver braids. Through thick glasses, she peered at him. I have just what you want. She receded into the dark apartment. Bryce reached behind him, put his hand on his gun, and followed her inside. The place smelled just as it had before, sweetness and dirt, like it had been closed up for decades. Bryce tried to hold his breath. She led him through the dim living room and to the back room, the kitchen. There, an orange light cast shadows on the wall. On a table sat several boxes of candy clearly labeled with prices. She turned to him. Here. Bryce peered at her, small, frail, hunched over, bent by time and age. Mama Suge didn't seem threatening. He released the gun and put both hands into his hoodie pockets. His cheek throbbed and his mouth filled with blood. This isn't what you want, is it? Mama Suge asked, removing her glasses. Be honest, you ain't here for these kind of sweets. No, no ma'am, I'm not. I thought, he stopped. What did he think? Mama Suge stood up to her full height. The hunch vanished before his eyes. Bryce stumbled backwards, his hand failing to grab the gun. What the hell are you? Mama Suge grinned. This time her mouth held nice, neat rows of teeth. You really don't know, do you? She asked. Bryce's hand trembled as it found the gun at last. He pulled it from his waistband and felt the power steady and calm him. Know what? That you killed them kids? Sucking out souls like some demon? Mama Shug laughed. A thousand voices flattened into one. I didn't kill anyone. Liar! Bryce squeezed the trigger. Firing this close to Mama Suge should have dropped her like a sack of potatoes. Instead, she flickered like a faulty light switch and became solid once more. She peered at him with eyes now clear and free of cataracts. Between feedings, you tend to forget. You love the sugar high, but the crash makes you blank out. You always come back to your mama, though, and when you do, so do the memories. Bryce shut his eyes. What? No. Yes, yeah, son. Son. Son? The gun shook in Bryce's fist, then fell to the floor. Memory flashes sliced with sharp, stinging precision. The kiss he and Cindy shared out behind the rec center. Her blood siphoned like a slurpee until only the husk remained. Bryce's hand scattering crinkled wrappers across the body. The vision blurred. Then Marquise lay in his arms. Bryce's proboscis stabbing into his ear. 
Marquise gurgling as Bryce took huge sips of his life. The guilty delight he took in consuming their sugar-saturated blood washed through him. Bryce fell to his knees. No, it, it's a trick, a mind trick. The burning in his cheek flared. Something else moved in his mouth, and it wasn't his tongue. Screaming, Bryce opened his jaw and outshot a flesh-toned tubular. It searched the air, hungrily seeking sweetness. Holding his hand over his cheek, Bryce shuddered. It had been him all along. His tears fell to the floor. You lying! He roared to the proboscis. Liar! Mama Shug opened the pantry door. Inside, a bound and gagged Tasha Hicks wiggled and thrashed. Not traditional food in his pantry, but a living, breathing girl. You brought her over right after the funeral. Mama Shug fingered one of the girl's curls. No! Bryce shut his eyes tight, desperate to banish the nightmare. Tasha's eyes widened when she saw him, but not in relief, in fear. Bryce's head began to pound. He staggered to his feet, the appendage hanging out of his mouth, searching for sustenance, spoke to the truth. It was not a trick. Bryce suddenly knew the gooey proboscis was as much a part of him as the nose on his face. More memories came to him. Mama Shug squeezing his hand, scores of countless faces, husks of withered humans, their sugar-sweet fluids greedily consumed by him. Bryce looked up at Mama Shug and Tasha, a little flesh cake filled with delicious, dark red filling. He reeled in his proboscis, now on reflex as his true nature returned. You remember, Mama Shug said softly. It wasn't a question. She stepped back from Tasha. You've come home seeking something sweet. Bryce nodded. Thanks, Mama. Mama Shug came to stand beside him. With her hot breath on his cheek, she patted his shoulder. You always had one hell of a sweet tooth. Thank you so much for listening. We'd like to thank our cultists, the patrons whose financial support helps keep the Dread Machine going. If you're interested in reaping the benefits of membership, learn more and sign up at thedreadmachine.com slash memberships. If you like this story, be sure to click the link in the show notes and let the author and narrator know by leaving an encouraging comment, then share it with your friends. Bring your stalker status to the next level by following their profiles so you can be informed whenever we publish more of their work. Be sure to join us at thedreadmachine.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Dread Machine. We have a huge, constantly expanding catalog of stories just like this one, plus a very active community of weirdos just like you. See you there.